Unlock More to Life with Adrian Pinozo, Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we broadcast interviews with successful real estate investors across North America to empower you on your journey to unlocking more to life with real estate investing. Now, now here's your host, Adrian Pinozo. Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you get more to life so you can start living your dreams through the power of state investing. So for today's episode, everybody, we're so honored to have one of, not the, small business advisor here in Ontario on our podcast. She started her career as a professional accountant with the goal of pursuing her dreams of one day owning her own accounting firm. Today, she definitely achieved her goals. Erica Passmore prioritizes educating her clients and making their lives easier to help grow your businesses and maximize tax savings. She truly loves what she does and helping everybody out. So without further ado, what better way to introduce my own personal accounting guru, the one, the only, Erica Passmore. Erica, how are you? I'm even better now. That was a lot. Thank you. At, um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's nice. That's, that's a nice good way to start a Monday. Hey, call you every Monday. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This is so, um, uh, awesome. So, uh, for everybody out there, Erica, Erica Passmore uh, is my uh, accountant. We've been working together, I don't know, for 10 years or so, Erica. And, yep. uh, yeah. She's really uh, been with me right from the start. Um, when I was a police officer. So <clears throat> I think guys, everybody's gonna get a wealth of knowledge on this on this particular episode with respect to everything to do with taxes, real estate investing, and the whole tax thing to do with that. So Erica, questions, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, all right, let's do it. So Erica, we know you started out and you worked at uh, El Nair accounting firm for almost seven years. Tell us more about how you got started in this whole world of accounting and segueing from there, obviously, into your own business. So um, I think, you know, I used to think it was a really like abnormal thing that I ended up in accounting, you know, which wasn't my chosen career. And I always thought that was so weird. Everybody must go to school for what they want to do. I actually went to school for life science. So I was pre-med. Um, so that's what was my bag. And uh, I ended up having a, a bit of a career change in life stuff as well. But um, yeah, I started working with this uh, older CA out of his house and he needed some help. It worked out really well season and, and university and stuff. And I don't know, I just, I, I started really liking it. And um, I, I had thankfully had a double major. I was um, at business. That was always my thing is, you know, I want to be a doctor, but I want to run my business. And so I, I just thought that, you know, I I'd always thought that I would be um, in, in sort of that healing healthcare provider uh, role and then ended up really backwards falling into uh, accounting. And I thought it would just be something that I could, you know, earn extra money. I really, really liked it. And I didn't think I would. I thought it was always, you know, I never thought anyone would put their hand up and be like, I want to go to school for accounting. But it started when I started realizing the people that were coming and going, they were just regular people that put everything they had on, you know, on red and their business. And, and 
I thought, what a what a huge piece of this cog that we're in um, to help them explain it. And uh, yeah, so so I, I worked with Lou. He, you know, I always used to joke about him. He's getting older now. I just heard from him actually last year. And, uh, you know, he, he taught me how to work really hard. Uh, he never, like, it didn't matter weekends, nighttimes. You were always on call. And so I learned to, to work really hard in the trenches. It, it was it was an interesting experience. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I learned a lot. Awesome. So you made the big switch. So you started out working for some other guy in, in a, in a what yep. you say, in a basement or something like that? He was actually in his garage. Uh, he had he had converted his part garage. of his garage in Brampton. Yeah, Bramley, uh in the east section. And uh, so, yeah, and he had a crazy dog that used to pee on all our files, I remember. Like, it was chaos constantly. Uh, very, very different. Anyone that's been in my office knows that's probably where I got my neuroses from is... Uh, I, I like everything very orderly and color coordinated and no peeing dogs. So June of 2008, you make the big switch, big decision in your life, obviously in your business career and whatnot. And uh, you segued into owning your own firm. So obviously mm-hmm. something massive. Tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, like anybody that makes the decision to, to, you know, Adrian, you and I went through this with your career as well, you know, w- waiting, when is the right time to go? How do I start this? What should I do? You know, there there was a bit of a a bit of a lead up for me where I just felt that I wasn't able to make the difference that I wanted to make while there. And I knew that I had the knowledge, I had the experience and the know-how, but it was a very different way of doing accounting back in the day, um, which is sort of where Lewis's, you know, his training and education came from was people would come in and they would sign here, right? They wouldn't ask questions because who are they to ask you questions? You know, you're the accountant, you know better. And so there was really no communication. And one of the things that used to frustrate me a lot is, you know, the client would leave and, and I, and I mean, I'm, zero disrespect to Lewis. He's an excellent uh, human, but I just felt for me, it was that, you know, we could answer these questions and we could really help these businesses move forward if we just gave them the, the answers. And he said, yeah, but you know, if you answer their questions, they'll just keep asking more. And, and he was, so that was sort of the way he did things. And, and I was getting to that point of frustration because I wanted to give them the answers and I kept being kind of held back a bit. And, um, you know, it was his show. It was his gig. I don't know. I, I'm, thankful when my team here is able to answer clients questions, but that wasn't the case for him. And so it really came down to like, what is it that I want to do here? Do I want to sit here and, and take up these, you know, pick up these habits and, and take up, you know, the, the sort of the, the way that he was doing things, or did I really want to make a difference? And, um, you know, I made that leap. It was terrifying. We I jumped two feet in. I think I had two clients and they weren't even really supposed to come with me. Um, but they did cause they, they, they didn't want to go anywhere else. And it just, you know, kind of went from there. Yeah. So really intimidating. And, and you helped me make that leap of faith yeah. four years ago now. I think it was where we spent yes, yeah. a lot of time together when I was debating, is it now the right time to leave the police department and not blah, blah, blah. And then finally helped me uh, push me over the edge to do it. And for everybody out there listening, I mean, Erica has a wealth, not only a wealth of knowledge with that whole accounting and numbers and and figuring out financially, stuff like that, but she also has a wealth of contacts that, um, I mean, there isn't anybody that you don't know when I ask you, hey, I need a guy for this or I need a guy for that in the business world. Tons of, tons of 
contacts and experience there as well. So you make the leap of faith, you start your own business. Tell us where your business is today, briefly, as far as you know, how you've grown and whatnot. Um, you know what, I, I've had a tremendous uh, success in terms of partnering with the right people. You know, really, my team is incredible and, and power me forward. So we have grown a, a considerable sized firm, considering it, you know, I went, started with two. Um, and, and so I think you know, I, I definitely don't want to brag about the size of our firm, but we, we do help quite a few people. I think, you know, we're, we're well over a couple thousand um, that we're able to support and in all types, right? So I, I really have still a lot of passion for the small growing businesses. Uh, they take a lot of time, but they're sort of, I always, you know, make the, the joke that they're our garden and, and that's what we're sowing for the future, right? But yeah, it, we, we've done incredible and Milton is, is huge and growing and, and too, with the way we do things being so, uh, you know, accounting, it's really easy to be considered advanced in technology because accountants don't like technology. A lot of our accounting platforms, actually, we sometimes have to pay for our computers to be reverted for certain programs to work because, you know, it was just, it's the sort of that, that who we are. And I think that's kind of what sets us apart and me apart is I'm not a typical accountant. I'm not, I don't represent myself the same way that they do. I really get in there with my clients, get into sort of the dirt of it and, and what is it that you want and what's the kind of the goal. And, you know, that, that whole, you know, adage of, you know, God's busy laughing or God's laughing when you're busy making plans. I mean, we do the best we can in terms of planning, but I think educating our clients does kind of bring us to another league and because we can do so many things remotely and even prior to COVID, you know, communicating, we're not limited to working with clients just in our region, which I think a lot of firms were used to, especially you know, the ones that aren't big five. And so we get to support clients all over the place and which, you know, you mentioned contacts and that's why it's so important for me to make these types of contacts, uh, you know, with banking and lending, you know, lawyers, those types of things. Uh, and that, that is sort of what I picked up from Lewis, that older style a way of doing things. Um, he always say to me, the most important person that'll be in your life is the bank manager. And, and, you know, now with banking being so automated, it's not the case anymore that they're, you know, the chief of all decisions, but uh, they certainly do put you in front of the right people. So I, I've got to say, yeah, we're doing very, very well um, as our team, we're ever growing. And I'm really, really fortunate for that. Yeah. So how big is your team now? We're at, um, we're at nine, 10, uh, and we're bringing some more on. We had a, a bit of a shuffle during COVID. You know, some of our staff had, had obligations that they needed to, to do internally. Uh, at their homes. So yeah, we're looking, I think we're, we're looking to bring on four or five right now, um, which would be a dream, but yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're always chasing. Yeah. going to hire more people during COVID and I don't know if it's the serve or what it is, but nobody wants to work even in our business. No, and it's hard. But, and um, yeah. And I think it's, it's hard because we're changing things. Right. So you know, people are are leaving a lot of industries where it, they weren't stable during COVID. But the other thing is accommodations and being able to work remotely, and and um, that's something that I'm 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 on the fence about. I'm not completely comfortable with. You know, you're a client. You you drop off your shoebox of things. How do how do you want me to get that out of my office? Right. I feel that things are secured here. We're not all digital as much as we'd like to be. So uh, that's what, you know, I keep, I, I was, I was working with someone over the weekend and that's what, one of the things they said is, well, we've got to adapt and adjust and people have to work from home. And I'm like, oh, except that we have big places to fill still. Right. So we'll see. Right. Right. 
So you've gone from working in a garage to uh, mm -hmm. having your own firm, servicing, uh, I think you said just over 2,000 clients, mm -hmm. a team of nine or 10 uh, people working for you in your firm. You're located in Milton? Yes, but yeah, yet, we're right I mean, up on your clients, Most of your clients don't have to come to your office unless they're no. stuff off, like all the stuff no, even then. business. Yeah, we have courier yeah. systems. We have a lot of, of ways for people to get their stuff to us. We just, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel, but it just depends on what, what works for the client. So, yeah, we're, we're here and we're happy to be here. Um, but, yeah, we, we service. We even have gotten now. We're out of province working with others. So it's kind of neat. All right. So let's get into the whole tax stuff with real estate investors, because obviously our podcast is really geared towards real estate investing and most of our listeners are investing in real estate, obviously. So every business yep. needs to consider tax implications, right? How do businesses Always. get started with, yeah, can you comment on that? So, you know, in all sectors, people have to, to be mindful of that tax portion, right? And, and it is sometimes a surprise that that's the last thing in their mind, um, you know, in, in terms of what they need to do. They think of everything else. Um, and then the tax piece is what's missing. Most investors, when they first are starting out, they're looking at things, you know, bringing on um, a property. Usually it's going on to their personal portfolio. So they're, they're financing it. Uh, it's in their name. Like the title is, is in their personal name. And so they need to be mindful of their personal tax uh, situation. So their personal tax rate, um, because any overage, and it's not just, you know, when we talk about cash flow and, and whether, they're able to take money out every month. Um, but there's a few other factors to that, right? So um, one of the things is is the difference between uh, the mortgage payment, which includes the the principal payment as well as the interest. Well, the principal payment is not a write-off. It's, it's the interest. And so when people sometimes look at things and they think they're revenue neutral, they're not really, you know, they are cash positive because we're, when, you know, when we're looking at it as in terms of our spreadsheet with our, you know, our investment partners, perhaps, and we're going through it and we think, oh yeah, you know, here, here we're, we're, you know, we're, we're cash flow and, and everything's perfect. Or, or they even think, you know, we've got some renovations, we've got some repairs, maintenance, uh, we're going to, we're going to be at a loss. And then I, I get to sit down with them and that's not the case, you know, because there are two things that are really important for investors to be mindful of. Uh, one is that the difference between repairs, maintenance and uh, improvements to the property. So that always catches new investors off guard um, because they think, you know, they have this cash outlay, then it's going to be this, you know, huge loss. And that's, that's never the case. And the difference being, you know, is it, are you fixing it, fixing a piece of it? So if you think of, you know, the front page of a, of a, uh, rental property and you're fixing two windows, the two windows themselves would be considered repairs maintenance. But if you're fixing all of the windows, then that would be a leasehold or an improvement. And improvements don't actually come into play as a write-off until the property is sold. And so I know working with a lot of investors, especially your investors, it's long-term, right? So we talk about things in, in terms of, you know, what is the longevity? That's one of the first questions I always ask to investors is, what, what are you looking at with this property? Are you going to hold it for five years, 10, 15 years? Or is this, you know, are you flipping it? And so, you know, there there is a different tax strategy based on on flipping a house, which people are very unaware of, as well as renting. And, and most most of your partners are long-term investors. So that's just one of the things they need to, to be mindful of. The tax rate is their own personal tax rate. So what they're rated on, uh, what their tax rate is on their tax return based on their employment income. And then we, you know, talk about, you know, 
kind of going off from there and dividing and, and talk about incorporation and whether that suits them or not. Um, but yeah, that people often don't bring taxes into the mix. Right. For sure. I mean, it was several years before I brought taxes into the mix and then yeah. you, know, you educated me and we started rolling in the right direction. Yeah. I was just going to say it's, it's never a good surprise for anybody, but it, it does catch people off guard. And I think that once you're thrown off guard, especially in the new investors, as they're starting to get going, they already have a lot of complications already. You know, like some, some of us are self-employed and, um, you know, they don't really want anything to be surprised because they, they've generally got a lot of money on the line. Projects are, are going on. They've committed maybe to another investment property. You know, surprise for taxes. Now you owe a couple hundred thousand or a couple, you know, tens of thousands because of this. Uh, it does sort of throw people off. So yeah, got to be mindful of taxes. So I get a lot of questions, obviously talking to a lot of investors and JV partners and whatnot. And they always ask me, Adrian, when is the right time to segue into moving your properties over or just buying new properties and putting in, in a corporation as opposed to their personal name? And I know we did that. So can you comment on that? When do you think is the right time to, to make that leap? So one of the things that it should be the first thing, and it sounds as though right off the bat, I'm deterring you from, from incorporating, which is not the case, but rental income through a corporation is considered inactive revenue. So the small business rate, so you, um, you know, you're out there slugging a hammer, your construction, the small business rate through a corporation is really low. It's only 14%, which is a huge attraction for people to incorporate. Where it becomes tedious is when we talk about inactive revenue. So revenue that is considered inactive revenue is revenue that is, you haven't had to actually go out and earn. So interest income, um, rental income, those types of things. And so the the rate for inactive revenue is actually 52%. So sometimes that's higher than most people's personal tax rate. It is comparable to those that are making over that, that 200,000 threshold. However, it's not very appealing for people to say, oh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and incorporate. But there is a reason for it. And, and so when I meet with a client and, and kind of get their idea and their, their goal and their sort of their vision for what they would like to do. Um, and sometimes it changes. I get someone that's really reluctant about even doing their first one. They have an excellent experience working with you. Uh, they're really excited. You know, they're using your refi method and, uh, you know, they just, they, they've got their money. They, they want to put it into something else. And so sometimes I find that they're really excited and addictive and they just keep going. It's, you know, it's kind of like a tattoo almost, or sometimes they put on the brakes. And so there is sort of a, um, an interesting piece, and, and, and I'm surprised by how many accounts don't know this, but I think like everything else, you sort of specialize in, in what it is that's your niche. And one of the ways to, to have it sort of that you, you don't have to make the decision right then and there to purchase in your, your corporation or through a corporation, um, is through a trust transfer. And Adrian, I'm sure you're fine with your listeners knowing that that's exactly what we had done with yours is, is a trust transfer. Basically it is a tax-free rollover from your person. So when you purchase something personally, you can, uh, roll it into a corporation tax-free. And what makes it different than we have, we have a, a couple things in the tax act that that go over tax rollovers. One is section 85, which anybody could do at any time. A section 85 rollover, still tax-free rollover, but it is subject to land transfer tax at the time. So 
One of the ways that uh, we can avoid, again, paying land transfer tax, nobody likes to pay that the first time. So to avoid that is if you have a pre-existing corporation, so you, you've set up a holding company, but you're doing nothing with it. Um, as long as that holding company or, or company, what it could be, we just call them holding companies. It really is the exact same thing. So you have this corporation and it's set up prior to the closing date of your rental property and you purchased it personally, you can go ahead and do that. You know, the timeline for these trust transfers, because when we transfer through this trust transfer, the only real requirement is that A, you had the corporation that was set up prior to the closing date. And B, is that we we do it within a reasonable allotted amount of time, we make the transfer from person to corporation. And so um, we're able to do it. Usually what my suggestion is, is go ahead, purchase it in your personal name. Um, go ahead and do the renovation through the um, through the open mortgage, which you guys use. That is one of the drawbacks. We'll talk about that maybe with the, some of the setbacks or hardships with corporations. But being able to do the re, um, the renovation prior to the refi is uh, something that is of course better and a benefit to do personally and so once you've done that you've you've committed to your term after your refinance and so you get five years at the time so rather than breaking a mortgage paying those penalties what we do at the time that we know the mortgage is going to renew at that five years is rather than do a renewal we'll do an actual new mortgage um, application with the commercial center and we'll work with um, our commercial our real estate lawyers in in doing the rollover so they will change the name uh, with the land registry to to change it over i'll do all of the calculations on the the business side but really right from the beginning even though the corporation is in your personal name we will report everything through the corporation and so you have that opportunity and so a lot of times what i get with investors is they'll say well we own three in our private in our personal name already but we really want to put those in our corporation um and like i said you know if we're looking at doing so it's not subject to land transfer tax. We we need to have it pre-existing, um, and if they don't mind paying land transfer tax, if it just it doesn't make any sense to have these personally, then um, we would do it through the Section eighty five. But like I said, they would be subject to the land transfer tax at market value. So. Uh, when is the right time is really when um, we know that an investor is looking at things long term, um, that they want to hold on to these. They want to keep things simple by keeping their real estate portfolio all in one uh, under one sort of umbrella that they have perhaps become a leverage personally in terms of obtaining financing. Now, one thing to note is um, because they're changing lending rules so often and so frequently, uh, people that have corporations, they are being asked to also personally guarantee. And so although the mortgage that's been guaranteed by the person doesn't show up on their credit bureau, it does with the lenders. So the lenders do know that you have an associated corporation. You can't kind of hide that. Some people always think that if they stick it in their corporation, nobody will be ever uh, able to tell the difference, but they can. So just in full transparency. And, and then, so if you have multiple properties, typically, you know, we, we never buy them all in the same sequence that we have some that are, uh, you know, that we've had for a while, the interest rates are low. It's maybe you're still in a variable mortgage. And so, you're you're profiting there but then there's other properties that perhaps you're just hitting revenue neutral you're net neutral and so the whole objective is is not to pay that 52 percent tax rate but because the portfolio is growing so quickly a lot of people that are interested in this right off the bat are guys like you the you know police officers you've had a long career maybe in drugs or in you know homicide and you know your name is out on every single thing 
ticket, warrant, everything you've ever written. A lot of the times you don't want your name out there on the, you know, public registry so people can type in, you know, I hate Adrian Pinozo and see what comes up, right? Because all of your properties are listed. So there's a lot of people that want that. My my healthcare clients, so my, my physicians, they're the same. You know, they're looking for that discretion. They're looking for it to have one layer. And I always talk to people about liability. You know, most of the time our coverage, I know you work with some excellent insurance uh, brokers as well. If, if as long as you haven't done anything with intent, uh, willfully took all the fire alarms down and then set a gar- you know a garbage can on fire because your tenants were bugging you, I mean, as long as you haven't done anything premeditated, your insurance policy will cover um, not only damages but liabilities as well. And so I'm not you know corporations have always given given us that limited liability, but I think in real estate the insurance coverage is enough. So mostly it's just about do you. You know, are you concerned about having your name attached to this property in the public registry? And then the other would be, you know, long term, is this makes more sense to get it away from your personal income because it's going to create you to be into a further or another higher tax bracket? And does it allow you to to obtain lending, right? So the commercial lending center is a little bit more lenient than than that of the person. Yeah, some great advice. And just for everybody listening, we did that. You know, you spoke about trust transfers and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we did where I bought it in my personal name. And this is more so when we first started. Um, So my wife and I were buying the rental properties personally. And I want to say, I don't know, it was four, maybe around four years ago or so, four or five years ago, we did the exact that process the trust yeah, transfer. We just them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we obviously avoided um, land transfer tax, like you mentioned, uh, through mm-hmm. the power of that trust transfer. So it, it works. So everybody listening, it it, it 100% mm-hmm. works. I'll be proof of it because we did that. Yeah. For I'm surprised how many people say to me, well, my lawyer doesn't know what you're talking about. They said that that actually isn't a thing. And, and other accounts as well have called in and said to me, like, what are you talking about? This isn't true. And I course it is you know i wouldn't i've I've done it successfully hundreds of times uh even you know i don't mind disclosing myself i i i think it is so much easier to purchase personally still to this day you know you me we have holding companies we always purchase first personal name transfer it in um if we need to but it just makes it easier especially if you know that you're going to have a huge uh renovation prior to and you want to refinance you know if you're going to go in right off it's a turnkey you just you know throw some paint on it fine buy it through the corporation but there are some some hardships to buy it directly through that corporation i don't know if you want to go into that i was actually going to segue into that our next my next question well look at me just like yeah. it's peppy for a monday man well no it, it sort of seems that this is the exact succession of questions that i get asked when people come in right so yeah. uh one of the biggest things we talked we kind of mentioned about was the uh, refinance. That's an impossibility. You cannot, you can't do that with co- the commercial banking. So it is usually u- better to use once the property is already set up, renovation is done, you've already gotten that appraisal and that assessment. Uh, two is that when you are house hunting out there, um, you know, today's market's insane. People are overbidding. Uh, they're going in with no conditions. And I mean, all the power to you, but if you are purchasing, you know, two, three properties here, um, you don't, you should not have have the faith that you have 
uh, for qualifying for mortgages to be able to go in firm um, without any hesitation. Because uh, as you know, it's sometimes, it's surprising. Yeah, I've, uh, I was teasing one of my brokers uh, because it just seemed like, why are we asking so many questions? You know, uh, you've got all my stuff. And, and I said to her very joking, like, do they know who I am? You know, it, it doesn't matter your connections anymore. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it really comes down to what are the lenders willing to do? What is their risk ratio? And that changes sometimes so frequently. Um, I was listening to um, a, actually a speaker that I really, really enjoy talking about, you know, the future of, of uh, interest rates. And, and they're thinking that, you know, we're going to go through multiple interest hikes in the next year and to the point of like four or five. And so when they're doing these types of things, they're changing the value, like the way they uh, value their customer base at who they're allowing to come in. So sometimes, you know, you know, I'm with Royal Bank, but maybe I have a Scotia mortgage and maybe Scotia decided that they're only going to service their own clients that time. So it, it is kind of, it's, so you want that security and, and to know that you can go in. And one of the benefits of having a, a, a property that you know is going to be put in your personal name is you can get a pre-approval um, from your mortgage broker, which is not a thing in the world of business. And also taking, it takes, uh, before COVID, it was taking six weeks for an approval. I mean, you and I know this, we've sat there a few times going like, what's happening here? Uh, and you get kind of nervous thinking, oh gosh, something's wrong because we've never had these things take so long. We're looking six, eight weeks. Um, I had another one not so long ago that was, uh, I think it was closer to 12 weeks before we got it. And it should have been an easy file. So, you know, when you're going into a high, hot market, uh, wanting to put in, you know, you want to go in without any conditions because you know that there's no, you can't, you won't get accepted. Um, you want to have that a little bit of that assurity that you've got that, that lending product and you can't wait for a commercial center to come back and approve you. So, so that's huge. And the other drawback really is uh, the cost, right? Accountants, you know, I love, I love having clients and, and business and of course, accountants will always want businesses as opposed to, you know, personal tax returns because we make more money. But I'd like to make money with my clients at the right time. So when it makes sense, and it's organic. I don't want to ever make decisions based on me. Um, if I need advice, I will go to someone to get that advice. I feel if it's the other way, uh, I need to make the best recommendation for clients. And sometimes that that's it's not the case. It's not the case to go in as a corporation. Accounting fees, you know, to do it. A, a, a tax return, you're talking maybe a couple hundred dollars, you know, a thousand or so. Corporation is a lot more money. Uh, there's the initial setup and then there's also the every year frequency of filing. And so you got to talk about all of these things with your tax provider. And if they don't know what you're talking about, when you mentioned t trust transfer, I'm not saying run because certainly you don't. Maybe they're, they're open to learning more. But I think for your investors, it's really important for them to work with somebody that has an investing knowledge, whether it be through themselves or through their clients. I mean, I didn't, ne I never intended it. It's like I, I, my whole, you know, life track was planned for me, but I never planned on getting into supporting investors. Um, my father invested as he, uh, as when I was younger, kind of forced me into it because he knew the benefits, but yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful to it. And, and, and by doing so, I'm now listening to banks who used to discourage people from investing into real estate. Now the banks are telling them to diversify. And uh, that's never happened before. So, you know, you're early in, but onto something for sure. Nice. Great advice, Erica. I resonate with that completely, completely. And the advice you've given me over the years is pretty much that anyway. So, um, 
the value of working with a professional like yourself. So obviously, people getting started in real estate and investing. How important is it to get started on the right foot uh, working with someone like yourself uh, as a real estate investor? Well, I think one of, you know, stating the obvious, uh, this is what I, this is what I do. This is what my team does. Uh, we know what's happening. We stay on top of the ever changing tax laws, case law as well. So we know where the investor stands as well as support. But I think that like anything, uh, if you start off on the right foot, you know what you're supposed to do. I mean, you're a huge uh, source of information uh, for investors, which is why, you know, anytime we have someone that is new into it or they're thinking about it, we try and, and introduce them to you because you can give it to them straight and they know all of the things that they need to know about, you know, making this next step forward. And and the other side is when you bring them over to me and I've, I've had a lot of times working with your investors and they're not our clients, you know, you certainly are, but you know, what we can bring to them is this, the things that you need to know that you need to do. And, um, because especially too, when you're buying this huge, uh, in investment, you're putting into it, all of this money for the, the renovation, people aren't sure what to keep, what to do. Um, they don't even have the right information. Sometimes I'm surprised they don't have, you know, the right information from their lawyers. They maybe never picked up their package or thought to keep it, um, and give you some helpful tips on how to start off the right way. And so nothing's on the table. You're not leaving anything behind. And, and that you are set up, right? So if you wanted to look at this as a corporation, you've now bought seven on your personal name and you don't have a corporation that's pre-existing, what are your options now, right? So if you had to talk to somebody that was you know, specializing in this and you could have planned for these things, uh, you would have been ahead of the game. And I think sometimes too, I worry when people, and I know it happens all the time, you know, I hear things, I repeat things. Uh, a lot of times people are hearing and getting advice from other people at the, you know, the kind of that water cooler thing. And it's surprising to me, the information that comes in. And because the person say, you know, a lot of my officers, my police officers, I don't, I don't ever want to, to call you guys out for anything, but a lot of the times in that, in that environment, the way they work, you know, maybe it's on the same shift or even their, their partner who'll go, Oh, Hey, uh, I, you know, I bought this and I, this is my rental property and I do these things and it's wrong, all wrong. And I'm scared for them, but I'm even more terrified for my client that is now calling me going, I just heard this. Is it true? And I'm happy to, to debunk it. I don't, I try not to make a joke of it as frequently as it, I do, but uh, a lot of bad information going around. Right. And so I think just having that sounding board, someone that you know, that you can say, I know for a fact, I'm going to get the right answer. And if it's, if, if there's no way around it, she's going to tell me, right? Absolutely. What is the most valuable piece of advice you would give an investor or business owner for that matter, that is, that is basically passionate about looking to learn more about their taxes? What's the best piece of advice you can give them? Best piece of advice. Oh, what is the most valuable piece of advice? Hmm. I would think that um, the most valuable piece of advice that I, I would say to you, you know what? It, it's kind of a feely thing. Um, I, I can give you, you know, uh, you know, theory if you'd like, but this one's more of a feeling. And, and I think all of us have had that is that if you have that, you know, Adrian, maybe you know, maybe you're too tough of a guy to have this, but you never know when you're about to close a deal and things don't feel like they're going right. And you've got that like in that pit in the bottom of your stomach and you think, oh gosh, you think it's got to be that this is bad. It's got to be, I can't deal with this. It's too much stress. I have a lot of people say that to me about, you know, business, uh, and, and 
you know, when they're closing and they're waiting for permits and, and they're just like this, it's so much anxiety. And I just want people to just give themselves a bit of a, a break and some credit to, to know this, that um, I always attribute it to the fire of the entrepreneur and, and, you know, whether you're investing or you're opening up an ice cream stand, we're, we're entrepreneurs, right? We're in it. We're putting all of our money on red. We're taking the chance and we're investing in ourselves. And so when you get that feeling, that pit in the bottom of your stomach, and rather than thinking, you know, this is too much stress, it's, it's anxiety, um, it is really the flame that keeps the entrepreneur charging forward because we need that fear that, that, you know, to, to keep us going, not everybody can do this. I mean, this isn't a game where you can go, you know, if everybody was able to handle the ups, the downs, cause there is right. I mean, there's all kinds of things in business and, and, you know, you work with people and you hope that that stabilizes a little bit, but I just want people to realize the most valuable thing is, is that if you are feeling this way, it's not an indication that you aren't made for this and you need to get out. It's too much stress. Give yourself the credit to know this is, this is what drives us forward. And if we don't have that flame, that fear, uh, that's perseverance. You know, we can, we can work through that. And like I said, if, if everybody can do this, then they would. And, and it, it takes, you know, somebody that gets all of, you get all the answers, you do the best you can. Um, but you know, sometimes things are delayed and sometimes, you know, contractors don't show up and sometimes it takes 12 weeks for the mortgage to come through. But all of these things, you know, that you get through at the end of the day, there's, there's hopefully, and we always hope, but most of the time, especially with real estate, there's an incredible benefit to you. You just got to not read into that sign as though it's a sign to stop you, right? It, it is really what is going to help you go forward. So I hope that people that, you know, are in that situation, they feel like they're going to want to give up, uh, unless it's giving up because you've made bad decisions, you know, had a dead property, something, something that spooked you, really spooked you. Uh, just know though that that's very normal to, to have that feeling. Absolutely. My feely feel. I've been spooked from my previous career, a lot of times mm -hmm. going to certain situations where I was scared or I was spooked. And even now there's some really big deals I've been involved in and working with different people and raising capital and buying yep. property after property after property. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, it does get intimidating and taunting for sure. But like you said, there's, there's, there's a bigger picture, a bigger piece up there that yeah. I remember my dad when I was, I must've been 20, maybe 22, 23, you know, at the age where I knew everything. Cause I am newly educated and, you know, very theory based. And, and my dad was closing. He had three deals closing. I don't even know how he did this. He, this is my dad. And it's probably where I get it from. And I think he was closing two, three houses the same week. And, uh, so he, he chose not to tell my mom. <laughs> so I knew it because I was helping him with all of his stuff in the back end and I could see him. He'd have to like take a few moments out just to kind of breathe through it. And I, I thought who in their right mind does that? And then, you know, as I become an adult realizing that it doesn't matter how much, you know, how smart you are, things just happen. Right. And so these closing dates, it wasn't by choice. It was just by, by what happened. And, and so he was internalizing all of this because he knew that if my mom knew, he would never be able to buy another one. Um, and I learned really early on that sometimes we just got to breathe through it and then it all worked out, right? It's just at that time, you got to go for a bit of a walk. So yeah, stress, stress, stress. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move into, we're, we're, we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes here. Uh, we're going to move into the lightning round where I ask you three quick questions. Just bam, bam, bam. 
and, okay. and again, focus more on a personal level to yourself as opposed to your business or okay. we're talking about accounting. This is more Erica and uh, personal to you. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Simon Sonic, I just love him. Uh, why? I love helping people. Uh, I whether I just I want to help people. I want to help people that didn't think that they had people in their corner that really wanted them to, to achieve their dreams. And that's all it is. I want to give them the tools to succeed. I want to watch them. I want to be there. Like, you know, Adrian, you're such a success story for me. And to watch that, I just what a, an honor to be part of something so life changing for people. So that that is my why. Amazing. And uh, I'm going to comment on that. But let's go. Let's get through these lightning rounds. You're very successful now, Erica. We say that relative to how the world views success. But do you think there's still more to life? When you picture more to life, what do you see for Erica Passmore? Oh, uh, I see being able to pull away a little bit from the sort of the minutia of, of my job, uh, of my career path, less taxes, more uh, more touch base, more time, you know, with people I love. COVID's been really uh, challenging for me too, because our business has has been short-staffed, but our, our, our businesses have really needed a lot more of us. Like my babies are big now. They're all taller than me. And I feel like I, I miss a chunk, right? So my, my more life is, I want to, before it's too late and, the, and they're all gone, I want to be able to make a difference in their lives and, and, focus more on that for my clients as opposed to the tax piece and just, you know, have teach that to, to other people, have them take it over. Yeah. And just, just more feeling things, things that bring me joy. Awesome. Erica, last question. If you could give one piece of advice, any kind of advice, it doesn't have to be tax related. Okay. Any piece of advice, one piece of advice to anybody out there, what would it be? Uh, stop waiting for the right time. And I need to take that myself, but honestly, stop waiting for the right time. It never is. You can make a, you know, pros cons list. Uh, they could equal out, but if it is what you want to do, if it's a dream, if it's a goal, a passion, you want another baby, another house, a career change, it's never the right time. So make it right now and everything will fall into place. Just, yeah, it's stop waiting for the right time to happen. Amazing. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. So amazing. So that's it, guys. Um, 45 minutes later, a ton of knowledge there, a lot of advice, a lot of experience from Erica Passmore. Erica, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been, it's been a slice. It's been great. How do people get a hold of you? They want investors out there, obviously, want to work with somebody like you who's passionate about working with real estate investors, knows real estate investing, you're, you didn't touch on it, but I know you're an investor yourself um, mm -hmm. in real estate. So you, you check off all the boxes for investors and as opposed to just working with a guy at a garage that already doesn't specialize in real estate investing taxes. How do people get a hold of you and talk to you about getting into business together and, and using your services? So um, I'm, I'm sure you'll link as to our, our website, social media. Um, Social media, I'm not the greatest at. I, I try, but I'm not. Email through, you know, telephone. Just reach out. I, I mean, we're we are around. We are connected uh, with it, with your you and EPC, and um, I'm sure people can. It's a it's a funny name. The way my name is spelled, it's quite phonetic. But um, 
you know, yeah, I just reach out. Email usually is the, the first touch base, uh, you know, and we, we have a client intake sheet. So all of the, you know, not fun things to talk about are already taken out of the equation. And yeah, we just have a conversation, whether it be in person, you know, video on uh, through telephone, whatever. Cool. So I know if you Google your name, you're all over the internet and your services. Yeah. Eric, A-I-R-I-K-K-A. Oh my gosh. Passmore, P-A-S-S-M-O-R-E. Correct. Yep. Nope. It's one O. Perfect. So guys, Google Erica Passmore. She's all over the internet. Totally easy to find her and connect with her uh, out there. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So thanks, Erica, so much for joining us. Tons of knowledge. Pleasure to have you on. And people can definitely reach out to you if anybody's looking to reach out to me and chat about real estate investing and how you grow an over 300 unit portfolio. I'd be more than happy to talk to you as well. That's crazy. What? I, that's crazy. Whenever I hear you say that, I remember two. We, but we, we still look good. Yeah, Adrian, we're still, we're still good. No, 10 years later. Just, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks so much. We're all over social media. Adrian Pinozzo, Executive Properties Capital. Erica Passmore and Associates. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Erica, thanks again so much. Have an awesome Monday. And we'll chat soon. Cool. Thank you.